we're so thankful tonight. Grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Increase us in the understanding of that covenant of marriage. Give us words to speak, God. Give us wisdom to understand. Give us insight to see. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. This truly might be a time of growing stronger together. This season that we'd grow stronger together as we're called to stay at home will strengthen our home in this time and not allow our home to be broken down and shattered. Move in every home, Holy Spirit. Move in every heart of every husband, every wife. All the children, God, bring peace, bring joy, bring love, bring the very characteristics of who you are. Bring the provision that you have, the grace that you have to strengthen every home. And we thank you. We'll give you glory. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise and thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart, every life, every home tonight by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, good evening. We are uh, going to do something tonight that we haven't done a lot. We're going to do a, a, a question and answer. We've sent some things out to you. We're going to do what we've called the State of the Union. We're going to talk about marriage, and Pastor Tosh is going to join me up here, and we're just going to uh, sit here and relax. We've been doing uh, some different things concerning marriage uh, on Wednesdays on Take 10, and so um, this last week we talked about marriage being a moving target, and um, so we were talking about that, and we've looked at a, a couple of different things. Concerning that, we uh, felt like in our hearts it'd be good to just spend some time with you here on Sunday night and, uh, and look at these things, talk a little bit about marriage, and so we sent out, and uh, you sent us some questions this week. We want to answer those, and uh, not that we've got it all wired or we're perfect. We have been through some challenges and uh, seen some things... Um, happen, but really we've been moved by the fact that we hear and we understand from uh, our local governments and, and uh, our police department that domestic violence has increased over this time of uh, the last seven weeks, the coronavirus, uh, stay-at-home orders, and really, um, as I was just praying there, you know, this can really be a time, stay-at-home, of strengthening our home life. The enemy would like to come in and divide our homes, but it's, it's a great time to strengthen our home. One, one thing we talked about last Wednesday, and you can go back to that take 10 and look at it, is we talked about marriage being a, a moving target. Um, sometimes we just wish, you know, we, we would get married and marriage would be what it's supposed to be, but there's seasons in marriage, there's times in marriage, there's all kinds of different things that go on uh, uh, from, you know, learning one another's strengths and weaknesses to then having children, raising children, Going through the time of adolescence, um, just strengthening and, and moving uh, ahead in those things. And so that, that moving target uh, exists. We talked about it a little Wednesday. You can go on there and look at that. But uh, praise the Lord. This is my lovely wife, as most of you know, Tasha. And so I've kind of rolled this into this all by myself. So <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you have to say? Um. Sorry, I caught you by surprise. <laughs> So anyway, we're really looking at this, and so why don't you jump in with uh, what Proverbs chapter 24 says concerning right. um, building that. a house. Okay, so uh, yeah, Proverbs 24, 
verses 3 through 6, it says this, it takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with fine furniture and beautiful draperies. It is better to be wise than to be strong. Intelligence outranks muscle any day. Strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. And so that's the, the heart of why we're coming together tonight for understanding and for uh, strategic planning. You have to have strategic planning to win a war. Yep. And so um, that's, that's uh, really what we're hoping to bring tonight. And so we took a bunch of questions on um, email and uh, different, different uh, people posed the questions through text and email. And so we're going to go over those tonight. Yay. Yeah. Just a second. It's going to be fun. That, that what you said there about strategic planning. I'm going to scoop my you know, chair I, over. I think sometimes, uh, you know, we talk about strategic planning here, our staff at the church, and, you know, businesses talk about strategic planning for a year. Mm -hmm. um, people who understand that they'll make a plan for their year, but many times we don't strategically plan for, for our marriage, home or right. for our marriage. Right. And if there's a strategy of the devil against us, then we should have a strategy to go, th go through that, right? right. And so right. it says that there's a wild enemy. He's seeking whom he may devour. Right. And not just whom individually, but he's seeking, if, if our union, if he could devour that, he's seeking a way to devour that. And so yeah. I, I like that, that phrase, uh, how, how do we come up with, uh, instead of allowing the enemy to win, how do we come up with a strategic plan uh, to prosper and move ahead in our marriage? So. Right. You want to get into the questions? Yeah, let's get into right. the questions. So first off, just a couple of uh, fun ones. It said, one question was, um, with lots more time at home together, what are some of the things that you have done to create fun and pass the time? How do you see marriage and families benefiting from this time of pause? Well, I live with a fun-loving person. <laughs> and so um, she comes up with all kinds of ways to have fun. And so... Um, We've been doing all kinds of stuff. Why don't you talk about what? Uh, we turned our dining room into a ping pong table. And so we've been playing ping pong. Yes. We've been playing pool. We've been cooking together. You might have seen some of Pastor Mark's cooking uh, on, on yes. Facebook. Hope you join me for French Toast Friday. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a really good cook. He cooks lots of stuff. And um, we've been taking walks with our dog and right. going to different places. Walks for us is like brand new stuff. I know a lot of yeah. you walk together, but taking walks for us is, is a brand new thing, and we've really been enjoying that. Right. And also um, the Take Tens, we've been doing that together, and that has been really good. Yeah. And we've, we've been learning together. We've been taking uh, some online classes, and uh, yeah. it's really some leadership classes together, and so we've been having a, a fun time learning <laughs> together. Right, and learning about each other. And yes. yeah, one of the things we learned is that we are very much alike. So yes, our our leader in in that place, he said, "Well, I looked at your profile, and um, you married your clone." Yeah, which uh, generally doesn't happen, um, so, and it can have yeah. its challenges when you're very much alike in, right. in so many areas. So yeah. Anyway, that was fun to figure so, find that out. <laughs> lots of that stuff. So another question, um, what have been some of the challenges for you two in this current time, and what have been some of the pluses? So exactly what we just said have been all of the challenges as well. 
<laughs> more time together. In the beginning, it was kind of frustrating and a little bit rough, but right. um, I wasn't used to having Mark around so much, and um, maybe some others have experienced that too. Being around your spouse all the time creates different kinds of wonderful things that you get to work through. And so um, that was a challenge at first, but we're doing really good now. In the morning when this first started, she'd say, and um, when, are you, when are you leaving? Um, I said, well, I can go anytime, but yeah. um, I think we're supposed to stay at home. So. Yeah, so our survival tips are lots of grace and um, understanding for one another and just not taking offense at all, just working at not taking offense. So lots of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys can share with us some of your survival tips during this. Um, put them into the, the Facebook if you're there or uh, share them. Uh, drop us a text or something. We'd love to hear what your survival yeah. tips are. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Here's a serious question. So do you believe that daily prayer together as a husband and a wife is a biblical command in the word of God? So really, I don't know that I, we see it as a command. Um, from the Word of God, but it's, a, it's an awesome and tremendous practice uh, to pray together. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three gathered together or agree together touching any one thing. It says where any two agree is touching any one thing, yeah. it'll be done by our Father which is in heaven. And so you're the perfect union to agree on things in prayer and get that power moving. And so it's just really a, a powerful thing. Uh, to understand that when we pray together, uh, we, we bind together, we join together. And so, although it may not be a command, it is certainly something that is good for you to practice together, to communicate that. Uh, we have different uh, strategies. We, we pray differently. I guess not strategies. We pray differently. Many times a husband and wife pray differently. And so they feel awkward praying together because they pray differently. But just because you pray a little bit differently doesn't mean that you can't find a place to pray together. And understanding that praying together and agreeing together in prayer is very powerful. Yeah, it is very powerful. It actually is part of the strength of the union. God said that we are a threefold cord with him in our marriage. And so it's part of the strength of our union. And here's one thing that we have found, that if you desire to start praying together as a couple, it's really good to put it into part of your routine so that it happens, because it's easy to just kind of bypass it and let it be a desire. Even for years, it could be a desire. So if you put it into your routine, maybe it happens when you um, put your kids to bed, or maybe it happens around the breakfast table, or maybe it happens around the dinner table, or um, you make a time for it. Every Friday night, we have a prayer time together, whatever it is. Um, I like when we go to bed at night, uh, Mark always reaches over, he puts his hand on me, and he prays for me. And, and we pray together at that time. And so that's, if he prays for healing or anything that we're experiencing, we pray over our life at that time. And so that's kind of our prayer time together, although we have prayer times that are separate. And then one thing, I wanted to read this scripture. It's Psalm 78, 1 through 4, and it says this. It says, listen, dear friends, to God's truth. 
Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll tell you, or I'll let you in on the sweet old truth. Stories we have heard from our fathers, counsel we have learned from our mother's knee. We are not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. And what I wanted to say about that was, you know, it's really good to get your kids in on your prayer time together. So praying as a husband and a wife is great. But if you'll establish something with your children as well, it really um, is what he's talking about here. We are helping them to learn how to conquer battles in their lives and how to make God a priority and how to take their authority. And so it's really important. And, you know, I'm thinking as our kids were little, we didn't really have like a structured prayer time. We did devotions at different times, usually in the morning and around breakfast and things like that. But we didn't have a structured prayer time. But every time that we would think of someone or a prayer request would come into our house, mm -hmm. maybe of one of our friends uh, in need of prayer or one of our uh, people in our church, we would gather together as a family and we would pray right now over that prayer request. And doing that really caused our family to put God as a priority and know our authority in prayer. We knew that we could pray anytime, anywhere, and that it was powerful. Right. And so. When prayer requests come in and you join right then uh, and, and begin to pray um, about those things and uh, yeah. hook together and then you see those prayers answered, you start to see how important prayer time together is and yes. praying about certain needs. Yes. So the next question is this. It is, um, can you explain the head of the home role for the husband and the help meet role for the wife according to the word? It seems like if we get out of our lane, it can cause much unneeded disruption. So, Do you want me to start with the wife? Start with the wife. Okay. Well, first of all, in Genesis, it says about the wife, it says, I will make a helpmeet. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet suitable for him. So it's a companion. It's a helper suitable for him. And then in Genesis um, 2.22, it tells us, as he slept, he removed, as Adam slept, God removed one of the ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman, and he presented her to the man. And so as far as the woman's role, first of all, we see in Genesis 2 that she's an answer. And second of all, we see that she was taken from man's side, and that really speaks to her function. She supports, and that's part of her function. And so when woman was created, she was created as an answer, as a helper, as a companion. She brings into this relationship intimacy and children and family. Women are very relationally oriented. And uh, God intended that there be relationship and love and communion and teamwork in our marriage. And so we each have different roles and functions. And although they are different, it's really good because our functions work together to make us a very powerful union. And so um, if you're wanting to learn more about the wife's role, I recommend a book. And it's Fight Like a Girl by Lisa Bevere. And it talks, goes into great detail detail about the wife's role and how she is an answer and how not only is she an answer it talks about her strengths because we all offer our strengths right. to the marriage mm -hmm. marriage is a lot like a dance you know you 
you learn how to move with each other and move as one with each other. We're two with one heart. Right. So. Amen. Well, most of the time when we start talking about function, we look to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and um, you know, we focus in on that. The husband is to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so when we get into functioning, we look at that. If we're not careful, we get misunderstanding about the, the spiritual aspect of leadership and how that works and the natural aspect of leadership. And so we read it, maybe not physically read it, but we begin to read it thinking the husband is the boss of the wife as Christ was the boss of the church. But when you read the Bible, it doesn't look like Jesus was being the boss. It looks like Jesus came to bear responsibility and to lead by example. And so when you get into this functioning place, and even men, when you get into the place of thinking, you know what, I'm supposed to be the head, I'm supposed to be the boss, you're really, you're supposed to use your strength to lead and to love, not to dominate. Hmm. And so you really can't look at it and say, you know what, I'm going to be the head of my house and she should listen to me, unless you take the next two-thirds of that verse. And when we start hmm. to look at the functioning of that, uh, so often we came back to the very beginning and stopped right there. Wives, just be submissive. You, if you were submissive, everything would fall into order and it would be okay. But two-thirds of that scripture addressed the husband. And it means he, it looks to him to be the head. And that word head there, when you study it out a little bit, is like uh, the head of a king's scepter, what he would put his, his hand on. We might look at it a little bit more like this, that uh, the top of your gear shift, your gear shift knob, it's what you get a hold of when you're trying to shift gears. And so when God is trying to shift or direct a marriage, the husband would be the one that he would reach to get a hold of. To, to move that forward in so many ways. That's a good and so analogy. he said, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the head, right? If you're gonna get that in order, then allow God to move you. And, and the next verse really talks about it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Mm. So if we want to have that headship, we have to read the rest and say, here's here's our functioning. In our roles, that we have to love our wife like Christ, Christ loved the church, gave himself for her. You can find that in Philippians chapter 2. How, as Jesus, even though he was God, he humbled himself, came in the likeness of flesh, and became obedient to the will of God. And then God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. So he, he gave himself... He loved us enough to give himself an obedience to God's plan for his life. Right. The best for, way for us to lead as husbands is to say, I, I yield over things so that I can be obedient to God's plan for our lives. He goes on to talk about speaking good things, uh, uh, washing with the water of the word, right? Building up. And then, you know, you go to that main scripture when you're really thinking about leading where it says that husbands honor your wives, as the weaker vessel. And so uh, mm -hmm. that functioning, I know there's been a lot of uh, and things And it's physically gone. weaker. It's, it's right, physically, physically weaker. weaker. And that really, what you're talking about right there, it answers um, one of the other questions that came into us, which was what about the husband who sees his role as dominance and control? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that a man uses his strength to lead, not to dominate. Right. So, And it's just an understanding a little bit of... of the difference between spiritual leadership and natural leadership because in a covenant union you're not really one controlling another and we have to look at that on both sides not just the husband where that question said you know it seems like things can get out of out of sync if they're not in order well at any time we have a power struggle 
we get it out of order. Mm -hmm. So the covenant union is beginning to recognize your strength and mm -hmm. how that overcomes my weakness. You recognize my strength and it overcomes your weakness. Yes. And then if I lead with grace and, and love, then it's a matter of understanding that, that leadership, not the role of being boss. So there's really a couple of different things too that we mm -hmm. understand. It's different to lead and then just to command and control or to be the boss. And so I believe we're called just as Christ to lead, to be an example. Yes, we gain authority, but our authority as husbands is in first place that we take authority knowing Christ. We take authority, headship over our home. And we understand the authority we have to keep the devil out, right? Yeah. So our authority in prayer is a big part of our headship as husbands anyway. Yeah, that's very good. We could... I think for the wife, too, you know, part of her strengths are words and insight and influence. And a lot of that is exercised in prayer as well. Mm -hmm. And so where, what is it, the statistic that talks about men have 25,000 words and women have like 100 and 250,000 words or something like that. It's like so much bigger. But we use a lot of those in prayer. And, and really protecting. Women are guardians of the heart and of the family. And so it's, it's a powerful place that God has put each of us in. And when we work together, then we create godly families that really are a witness to the world. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, another question is this. Um, what's the best way to navigate through the seasons of marriage when you and your spouse's vision doesn't seem to line up and it causes an unspoken tension between you. So one thing I read by Ed Cole, and I thought this was really good, and it's basically a, a lot of what you were just saying. Um, a man does not own his marriage. He's simply the steward of his wife's heart and love. Yeah, I think that's good. I think in, in, any, in any fashion, we talk about it sometimes, you know, in the world today, it's, it's talking about ownership, and, and I understand all of that. We want to... Yeah own things we want to take pride in and we want to care for them as if they were our own but so much of what we have in our life in our marriage with our children is actually more about stewardship children are a blessing from God our wives are a blessing a help meet and mm -hmm. so if God has given them to us then we're stewards of those things we're not owners we're not controllers but we're stewards of that and so uh, my role is not to control you or dominate you but it's to really uh, as ephesians if we go down it says to nurture and mm -hmm. to cherish and so um to to be able to bring out those those things in you yeah. if i bring out the best in you and you're my help me it only makes me better right but if i try to push down the things in you because they intimidate me Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and because of, you're aggressive, it can intimidate. No, <laughs> that uh, was in my personality we're, profile. We're, we're, I we're know. Learning some things. <laughs> that was just between us. It was a joke there. Um, but uh, um, if I try to push that down, because in I a really good way, you guys. Yes, in a very good way. <laughs> uh, anyway, if I if I try to keep that or get defensive at that, then mm -hmm. I push it down. But my role is to nurture and to cherish. I just go yeah with a little bit with stewardship. So, so when we're talking about vision, then. Um, the, the husband doesn't just come up with and set the vision. We as a couple have a vision right. that we walk out in our marriage. So part of leading means that you seek God and you have communication with your wife. 
and, and communicating with your wife, together you have a vision that you're going to fulfill. Because a wife can't get on board and be a support of something that she has no money in the game, you know, right. kind no, of thing. No skin in the game, no. Skin in the game, that's it. Or money, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the husband wants to have his wife as a partner. I mean, that's the point. He wants to have her as a partner. So how he communicates vision is very important. Mm -hmm. So he casts vision to her. Yes. He began to share vision is... You know, we look at it as forward movement, what's going to happen in the future. But vision simply is seeing. And so if we're going to have vision together, then we have to communicate or say, this is what I'm seeing. This, yeah. is, this is what I see for our future. This is what I see God. If I've been in prayer, this is what I see God saying to me. And what we're trying to do is start to see the, the same thing. And uh, if we don't see the same thing, we don't have vision together. So... In premarital right. counseling, many times when we talk about writing a vision, uh, making it plain, write it down, uh, make sure you talk about it because you could, the husband could write a vision, the wife could write a vision, and then you're both saying we've, we have vision, but you're moving two different directions. It's his vision and her right. vision, which is like what this question is about, really. Right. And so you want to start talking about many times what you see and what he sees or he sees and the wife sees. You can bring those together into strength. You can, you can say, I see this and I see that. Many times vision is simply this, how you look at it is, uh, you know, maybe I could use this example real quick. If, if you and I were going to climb Mount Sopris, uh, if you're not from the area, it's a mountain around here that you can climb. And I said, you know, I'll meet you at the top. But you climb the north side and I'll climb the south side. This is completely hypothetical because I would never <laughs> climb Mount Sopris ever. <laughs> yeah, she, she doesn't hike the 14ers with me or anything. Anyway, okay. the, the point is, is yes. if we climbed up and we started to compare notes, she would sound like she's talking about a totally different mountain. Sure. And I would sound like I'm talking about a totally different mountain. But we're talking about two different perspectives of the same mountain. And so visions can be, when you're talking about husband and wife, you can think you're talking about two different things, but are you committed to going the same direction, getting the same outcome? So look at the two different sides of it, and uh, you may yeah. come up with the clarity, clarity of vision. That's really good. So vision is knowing where you're going. Right. And agreement in the vision is vital. Amen. So let me say um, this about vision. We did something this year that we have never done before. And we did something that was called a prayer vision retreat. And, and actually, it had been recommended to us by pastors Craig and Sharon. They had done this and just said it was so good for their relationship. And so we did this and we set time aside to pray and to bring our pieces to the table and we communicated about those and we put them on paper and we really gave ourselves a point to move forward to. Mm -hmm. And it can be done like on a weekend, it can be done uh, sitting on the picnic blanket while your kids are playing, it can be done in a lot of different settings but we actually took a few days to do it. And we did it not only for us but we did it for the church too, where we saw the church going. Right. And it was really powerful. And so powerful. I recommend that highly. And you may, you know, we set, had set vision at different times in our marriage. And uh, if we look back, we had accomplished so much. But even at this time, uh, it seemed like we were a little bit stuck. You know, the, 
the same things that had moved us forward weren't moving us forward and, and begin to realize something that the vision that we had set as far as we could see, we had arrived at most of that. Uh-huh. And we had to reset vision for the future. And so sometimes you can think, what's going on with us? And if you look back and, you know, you may be visionaries. You may have talked about where you were going, how you were going to raise your kids, what was going on. But you may have accomplished that vision. And without even knowing it, it's just time to reset vision for the future. Right. And it was so helpful to us to say, here's where we are now. We've arrived at this place. Where are we going to go from here? Mm-hmm. And it really set some course and re-energized some things. And so that having a, a prayer vision retreat yeah. is really important. And it was, it was really, really good for us. Yeah, it was really good for us. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's another question. Um, okay, this one's, uh, you might have to answer this one because it hits home with me. So, <laughs> I love silence, which is not me. My spouse likes to have music on or TV on all the time, <laughs> even to fall asleep. And there's a second question that is very similar to this that says, um, how do you feel about electronics in the bedroom and what if it hinders intimacy? So I, I like noise, TV, radio, music, something on all the time. So <laughs> Yes, she does. <laughs> and um, I like quiet time. Uh, I mean, I can sit and just um, sit. And so, you know, we've, we've been like this, different. Uh, she fires on multiple cylinders. I... I ponder things, and so we've, we've been learning, and we continue to learn. But I'll share something with you just about this and this question, because I used to get frustrated with it. I was like, how in the world? And, and to understand this, sorry, I'm stumbling through this a little bit. We're different, and I know that it's not rocket science, but we're different. And so I used to think, <laughs> how in the world can you do this? Uh, you got this going, I come in, the music's playing, and this is on, and you're working at the computer, and ah... Um, shut something off and we went somewhere with some people and, and most of these people that I was learning from and lights were going on and I was going okay she's not as strange as I thought maybe she was people that you respected you highly respected yeah I'm going to get there most <laughs> yeah. of them were writers uh, you'd be amazed or creatives these people who have written books that are super powerful and we were around talking to them and fellowshipping with them and this subject came up. And most of these creative people who write these powerful things said, oh, I have to have Fox News playing in the background. I have to have this music playing in the background. I have to have this going in the background. And it, it, it enlightened me just that we are incredibly different. And so, again, we have to celebrate each other's differences so that we can bring out those things. And so, right. uh, you know, at night... Um, you know, having to have the TV on to fall asleep or something. You're just going to have to begin to have grace with each other, figure those things out, uh, get some timing together. Um, the thing about the electronics in the bedroom, um, I think you can speak to that. It's, it's really a matter of if that takes dominance yeah. in your relationship and all that. If um, it becomes something that, that you can't live without, for the sake of your spouse, then it's a problem and you guys really have to address it. Right. So, And that's the thing with most things is when you're talking about them in marriage and you're trying to find the, 
the middle ground, okay? So you need a lot of noise. I need some silence, uh, especially when it comes when we're gathering together and we're trying to study for something that we're doing and she needs something in the background. I need silence. We have to figure out how we're going to work with each other and we're going to do those things. But when you come on something that you say, you know what, this is just how I am and I don't think it's a problem, as you begin to navigate it, if you're not willing to make adjustments for your spouse, the closest person to you, your covenant partner, then that thing has become a problem to you because you put it before your spouse. Right. And so we don't think, we just think it shouldn't be a problem with you. But as you talk it out, you have to be able to see what, it, you have to set your priorities right, what's most important. And if your phone in the bedroom is more important than your spouse, you just have to think about that, actually consider that. Instead of making an excuse for it, let's really figure out, is this become a problem that would hurt us? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way. So this question is somewhat um, similar in that it has to do with the bedroom. <laughs> so my spouse is a morning person <laughs> and I'm a night owl. I like staying up late, but it can cause issues with trust with my spouse. My spouse doesn't understand that I like the quiet time at night. So I... Again, I can relate to this because I often stay up way, way later than you and sometimes go to bed like really early in the morning. Yes. <laughs> but um, loving each other well takes faith. It takes faith in each other and it takes faith in God. Because part of this question talks about the trust, I, I think that there's something more to this. And so fear is really at the root of a lot of distrust. And so fuel for the enemy is fear. Fear is fuel for him. So he will take that and he will make thoughts and he will cause you to ponder thoughts that are ungodly. And you know, what is my spouse doing? And if there has been no breach of trust and you're not abusing your, your privileges uh, in the marriage, you know, you haven't done something that's, that's worthy of distrust, then I say you just need to talk about it. You need to talk about these things and you need to find the why. Why and what is at the heart of the distrust? What's coming down to that? Because mm -hmm. if you talk about it, you'll probably find out that there's something there that the enemy is using and uh, there has to be honor and love and respect and trust in marriage. You cannot control someone's sleep cycle. You can't control them, but you can control you. And so really you have to, you have to get on the inside of you and figure out why that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So We used to be like right on the same schedule. When we first got married, we were both like to stay up late mm -hmm. and we didn't always get up early. Changes just in taking place. I. I years ago made that commitment that I was going to get up early right to spend time with God because with I wasn't Lord, yeah. good late later in the day that was my time to really get close with God so I found out if I got up early went all day I was tired or late at night but something that helped us not that sleep is a big problem but to adjust is traveling when we started mm -hmm. traveling overseas we found out when we first started traveling I had jet lag she didn't so I'm up all night what I wanted to do is wake her up and say, how can you be sleeping <laughs> right now? But we had to respect each other's sleep. Then we started, right. now I sleep pretty well. She gets jet lag. So there's just circumstances that you learn from. You respect one another and realize we're not exactly the same. Right. But where the trust issue comes in, it's just what you said. 
you got to give each other grace and learn to build it. Uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And so there's areas to grow in love, which build trust. It's not just a given. And so. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's good. Communicate. Communicate, communicate. Yes. Really. Um, here's another question. And actually, these two go together. Um, one person asked, how has the enemy tried to attack your marriage and why do you think that Christian divorce rate is as high as it is in the world? So one person said this, the enemy has no new tricks. It's the same old junk in re- repackaged, right? Um, division. It's, it comes down to division, I think. Um, the areas that he attacks us all, uh, communication, sex, and money. <laughs> Those are the things that he'll come and try and put a wedge in and bring division. And we have to be committed to the purpose and to the covenant of marriage. How does the enemy try and attack us? With division, in one way or another. It's always dividing us, pulling us apart, causing an argument, causing some kind of um, division. But we have to love marriage. We have to know that it's our purpose and that it's God's plan and, and love the covenant of marriage which uh, that scripture in Hebrews 13, 4, it says, let marriage be held in honor, esteemed, worthy, precious, of great price, and especially dear in all things. So we really have to love not only each other, but love marriage enough to commit to our marriage and not let the enemy in the middle of it. Yeah, I love that you shared that a couple weeks ago where... Mm -hmm we can get to the point of I'm just supposed to really be loving you, you're my spouse, but to understand that we're married and the covenant of marriage, God set as a, as a high place. So we're not just looking at the individuals in marriage, we're looking at the covenant of marriage. And when it talks about why do you see the divorce rate so high, I think there's certainly a number of reasons. One, we have not understood that covenant. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I, agree. I think in a lot of ways, and I don't know if I can explain this super well, but I think we enter into marriage a lot right now with expectation over commitment. Hmm. And in, in many ways, we just come in thinking that whatever I expect of my spouse, I'm entitled to a good marriage. Uh, if, it's, if you're not what I expect, if you're not doing for me what I think, I get disappointed. I let that disappointment move into resentment. And then if that builds, it creates division. So it's a strategy of the enemy. Right. But we're not, we're not getting into marriage, and, and, and probably can't explain this just right, but we're not getting into marriage simply for what you can do for me to meet all my expectation, right? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, she was Cinderella. I was the knight in shining armor. I sweeped her up, took her back to the castle. Now we live happily ever after. And then, you know, six months later, I fell off my horse. And now, now what? You're not the knight in shining armor. And, and uh, now you're the queen of the castle. You're not Cinderella. And so <laughs> instead of me rescuing you, you're telling me how to clean up around the castle. And, and it changes. And, and our expectations aren't all met just like we thought. But we begin to work. That's when we begin to work those things out. Instead of just saying, this isn't what I expected, if our hearts were knit together, we're committed right. to figuring this out. We're committed to bringing our strengths together, covering our weaknesses, and making 
not just what we expected or what we saw in a movie or, or right. whatever. We, we make it what God put us together for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did put us together for a purpose on purpose. Mm-hmm. So we have to find that purpose. So I think just the, the divorce rate in the world and the church are the same many times because we enter into it the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't enter it into, from God's perspective, we enter it into, you look good, I look good, uh, right. you're going to clean the house and make good food for me and wait on me and I'm going to bring home the bacon. Actually, you're making food for me these yeah, days. Yes, I am now. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Anyway, we just get our, 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 our thoughts based on what we see in the world rather than what really God has said about yeah. us. And, it, and marriage is a lot more spiritual than that. God really intended that we draw on his spirit to love one another and to make a difference in this world. Right. I love that the message Bible there in Malachi. Guard the yes. spirit of your marriage because the Holy Spirit is in your marriage. He's, yeah. In fact, really, when you join together in that covenant... It was like the Holy Spirit was overseeing those vows. Yeah. And he wanted to get in on those vows to help you produce and, and make that happen. And then it says, and what does he desire? Godly children. Right. And it's not children from your union that you're having babies. It's, it's godly children to impact the earth. Yep. So, all right. So here is another two questions that go together. How do you maintain the same level of passion a few years into your marriage as when you first got married. And then the second one that's very similar to this um, that we got in. How do you carve out romantic time when you have small children? So whether it's been one year or 25 years, it takes effort to uh, keep love alive in your marriage. And one thing I would say is it's okay, and I would say it's even recommended to set time aside for romance. Put it on your calendar. Because sometimes if you don't put it on your calendar, it doesn't happen. So that means like a date night or even a sex night. Like it's okay to put it on your calendar so that you don't neglect each other and so that these things happen in your marriage. I didn't think you'd be laughing at that. I thought you'd be going like, Uh, yes. I know. I know, you just warned me to not talk about our sex life. So, um, what you said. I, talk about date night then. I, I, I'm going to. I just, it ran across my mind when you said an appointment for sex. Okay, so, so let I, me say this then too. Love begins with passion, but love continues with perseverance. And so the same passion that you had in the beginning is not going to be four years, five years, 25 years into your marriage if you don't continue with perseverance. And so it's super important that you even schedule some of these things because mm-hmm. your relationship will suffer if you don't persevere with. And you have to be a little bit more creative when you have children. So when we got married, we committed to a date night. Yeah. And so. Yeah, our first had, we, date nights were. Like what? We lived in the apartments oh, on yeah. Pitkin our, Avenue. Our first date nights, we were like having trouble putting uh, uh, groceries in, in the pantry. So we, we lived down in Glenwood. So we had date night. We were committed to that. So 
uh, it was funny, I would get paid, and what was left <laughs> over the paycheck, we would leave, we lived over by Glenwood Springs High School, yeah. and we'd walk to the 7-Eleven, which now isn't 7-Eleven, we would buy, I would buy a Baby Ruth, she would buy a Twix bar, and yeah. we would split a Coke, we would walk down to what is now Juicy Lucy's, but it used to be the Lariat Saloon, and uh, we didn't go to the saloon to drink, Right. it was Monday nights, and they had a shuffleboard table. And so we would get our two candy bars, split a Coke, <laughs> and play shuffleboard and walk home. Yeah. That was date night. Or we'd go up to Baskin Robbins yeah. and then walk down by the river and sit on a blanket. That was yeah. our date night. So we had to be creative. We couldn't spend a lot of money. We didn't have any money. But we had our date night, and we, had, we, we could do something else. We did that. But then when yeah. children started to come into the scene, it, navigating date night, um, yes. romantic night, we were creative. But... Well, we were, we've always been committed to that and figuring that out. And so when the girls grew and left the house, we have a date night. Well, yeah, we're trying to work it out now since quarantine, but we, we had a date night where we would make sure to get out together and have a date night. So yes. part of it's just commitment, again, to saying we're committed to this. Things get in the way from time to time, but we come back to it. Why do we come back to it and not let it get off track? Because we've said this is important to us. Right. To, to stay together, to stay linked, to spend time together, to enjoy certain things together. So I'll say this. Two things that attack passion in your marriage are busyness and boredom. Busyness, because we can schedule ourselves so tight that there's no margin in our schedule. And then all of a sudden we have no time for each other and we're worn out. So busyness is something we have to guard against. And then boredom, because we can get into the same old routine where we eat the, we come home at the same time, we watch the same shows, we eat the same stuff, we go to bed at the same time, we, you know, and boredom starts to happen. And so both of those can really attack our passion. So if, if either one of those is happening, create more time in your schedule for each other just to be. You have to be a couple. So just create time to, to let yourself have nothing to do except focus on each other. And then if, if boredom is your problem, which it can be a problem, then start asking questions and start putting things back into your relationship that will spice it up a little bit. Um, some questions that you can start to ask are, what are some of the things that we used to do that you would like to do again? Uh, what things about our life together make you happy? What is something that you'd like to do that we've never done? And uh, what is the best part of us being together? And what makes the two of us good? So if you start asking some questions and you start taking note of what the other person is saying, it'll give you ways to break out of boredom mm -hmm. in, your, in your relationship too. And some of this takes, you know, what we just said at the beginning, communication, sex, and money are the things that break down a lot of things in marriage. Yeah. If you've taken my premarital course, you know I try to simplify this. It just comes down to communication. You don't talk about sex. You don't talk about money. Therefore, you have a breakdown in those areas. So it's how we communicate a lot of times. And as we said in the moving mm -hmm. target, disappointment comes from unfounded expectation. And so many times, even when we talk about scheduling date nights, scheduling romance, immediately somebody's like, well, then it's not romantic. If he doesn't think of it all by himself, then it's not romantic. If she doesn't respond just then it's not romantic. There are, and I understand all of that, but there are times where if he doesn't know what you're needing at the time, he's not going to come through. So you have to communicate. 
this is what I yeah. need to feel this way. Well, then he's going to do it because I said so. Exactly. And, I mean, and there's not, not nothing wrong with that. Right. There's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with her doing something because you want her to or him doing something because you want him to. But if you so. do and you appreciate that, instead of, what are you doing now? You're just doing that because I said so. Well, yeah, that's what you wanted me to do. Instead of acting like that, saying, okay, he's responding to what I said. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respond to that. Flames start to grow. Mm -hmm. It's just a spark, but if you let it grow, it'll burn, it'll start passion once again. Yes. But if you all of a sudden say, well, you're not very passionate because you don't do something like this and you don't do something like this. And then there's a response and say, well, you're just doing that because I told you so. Water on the flames. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Okay, here's another question. At what point do you know that it's time to seek outside help or counseling for your marriage? Right there at that point. <laughs> Um, I would say this, you never have to be in trouble to want to get better, and sometimes seeking counseling just helps that desire to get better. So you don't have to be in trouble, but if you're having that thought, then it's time to discuss it with your spouse. Mm -hmm. If you're having that thought at all, you can, you can go for a number of different reasons, and you don't have to be like going towards divorce to desire counseling for your marriage. I can tell you this for pastoring for 20, almost 28 years, that uh, the marriages that became unrecoverable were the ones mm -hmm. who refused to talk about it until they were at the end. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's so hard because so many things have built up. You ask, why didn't you come in? One or the other, well, we, we should be able to fix this ourselves. Well, it's a moving target. Sometimes you don't know exactly how to lead. It's, it's, it's funny to me when we think about this that, you know, if, 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 if my desire was to, for shooting, you know, to go shoot clay pigeons, um, and I went out and I couldn't hit a one, mm -hmm. so I just said, I'm just going to keep shooting at the air and never ask anybody for help so, because I should be able to hit this clay pigeon, it would just be stupid. Mm -hmm. I would grab somebody right away and say, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And they almost always would say, well, now here's how you have to do it. You have to start. You have to swing with your target, swing past your... They would teach you mm -hmm. how to hit the target. Right. Golf, football, whatever it is, we ask for instruction. Right. Then we come to marriage and go, we can't ask for instruction. And we have to be careful to understand pride comes before destruction. Right. Pride comes Absolutely. before fall. And when you refuse to ask for help when you know you need help, the yeah. enemy's working already, actively working in your marriage. Yeah, that's right. Okay, here's another question. How can I respect my husband when I don't feel that all he does is respectable? Um, I would say that you should get the book Love and Respect. <laughs> <laughs> because that is exactly what he focuses on in that book of love and respect. And you have to respect your husband in a God-honoring way. And when you do that, what you desire in the relationship, which is love, will be coming to you. And you have to let God speak to your husband and you have to honor him. It's, it's something that we want to withhold because we think he's doing things that are not honoring or, or excuse me, uh, respectable. And we want to wait for that to happen before we offer respect. But actually, if you offer respect, 
your whole relationship will begin to change. Yeah, just saw a response here. Should always seek counsel, even without any problems, right? Yeah, always get absolutely. Help. Always get moving forward. Absolutely. So that's a great book to get. Um, and there's a reward when you honor and respect. So God will make sure that, that you are rewarded. Okay, here's two questions that go so, together. Oh. Let, let me ask this question. Yes. Since we still have a few questions, okay. are we going to try to finish the questions or are we going to pick up? Uh, yeah, do you, do you want to do next week then? We could finish up questions next week if somebody wanted to send a few more questions. Okay. Uh, we could do that. So what we're making, what, what do you think? What is this? This is like an a audible? Yeah, we're calling an audible. <laughs> we're calling an audible. We could either, I mean, we're holding the we're rest right. of the questions until next week. This is going to be a continuation of a the series. State of the Union. State of the Union series will continue next week so with the rest of the questions. If somebody didn't know there was questions and they want to ask questions, do you invite yeah. more questions or are we just going to finish the yes, questions? Yes, we, we can invite some more questions actually. Okay. Yes, we could. So we invite you to send your questions. So we are going to do next Sunday night, we are going to do State of the Union Part 2. Um, again, our goal is to help if we can. We don't have all of the answers. We're answering these questions, but <laughs> they might not all be right. Um, but we're, we just are endeavoring to um, connect with you right now at this time. As we said, uh, it was alarming to us when they said domestic violence was up, homes were in trouble. Uh, if we can help, if we can answer questions, uh, we want to do that. We want to be helpful. And so um, we spent more time on these questions maybe than we thought. But yeah, but if it's, it's helpful, good. let us know if it's, it's helpful good. to you. And um, uh, you can submit more questions to us. Your ideas, uh, your, um, what do we call those? Um, your survival tips. Of how yeah, your survival tips. Uh, through stay-at-home order. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's say this. Marriage and family questions, and you can send them to pastormark at newcreationchurch.org. If you have our phone numbers, you can text them to us, but if you send them to pastormark at newcreationchurch.org, we will get those and we'll compile them uh, again so that next week we have a few uh, more questions from you and we'll finish out the questions that we have. I think that's great. Let us know what you think about this. We love you. We want marriages to go. I have this one thing. It's at the It's near the bottom because of this, but I don't know where everybody's at in their planning. But one of the questions was, what do you say to oh, families that yes. have seniors uh, in 2020? And so I just want to say this, celebrate them. Seniors graduating Come that are really ideas. missing out on a lot of those special moments in their life as a senior. Make it a big deal. Make their graduation a big deal. Make them a big deal. Listen, moms and dads, even if you think it's a little corny, uh, give it your all. Let them laugh. Make a memory. Let them say, this is really corny. But, uh, you know, one of the things that's touched my heart, maybe not everybody else's heart, but when I'm watching and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you see on the news the story of this younger brother who invites his older sister and they yeah. do a whole prom thing in their house. Um, and he's a stand in for the boyfriend who's on a on a phone. But they're making <laughs> this thing incredibly I love these stories. special for her. How creative. 
Yeah. So if you have a senior, especially some of the high school things, but a senior, especially, this is a big, Even, big deal. Yeah. And, and don't treat it as it's not a big deal. And, and don't get mad at everybody because it's not happening. Make it a big deal for them. So I'm just, we can maybe go back to that next week, but yeah. I don't know where. Even I, one not, of our friends, we saw it on Facebook, uh, mom and dad and the sisters dressed up with their sister who was a senior and they did prom at home and dad danced with everybody. I yeah. mean, it was awesome. <laughs> so it was really great. Um, but yes, make it a big deal. And I wanna say this about that. Check Facebook because our local high schools have an adopt a senior on Facebook. And so even if you ha don't have kids at home anymore, you may not even know a senior, just go on where our local high schools are advertising on Facebook to adopt a senior. If you even just put into Facebook, adopt a senior, you'll find Coleridge High School, you'll find Rifle High School, I think you'll find Glenwood as well. And you can actually participate with blessing a senior and making their senior year awesome. And so maybe you have small children, so into a senior. Maybe you don't have children at home anymore. It's a great way to bless them. Yep. So. so I just wanted to get that in because I don't yeah. know exactly where no, we're at. No, that's actually really good. In the good. schedule and the timing. Yep, really so. good. All Yay. right. So next well, week, more. Next week, State of the Union, part two. Why don't yeah. we uh, say this as we go? What God did in Christ Jesus. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me. By Adam's fall. Be blessed. Make it a great week.